Good morning, church. I think this morning we can all say that God is good. What an amazing God it is in whom we serve. And He's always good. And He's always been good. And He will forever be good because He's God. Welcome to each of you this morning, both members and visitors alike. Let's go to God in prayer, please. A gracious and kind Heavenly Father, we praise your holy divine name and thank you. We thank you for allowing us this day to worship you. We thank you for waking us from our beds of slumber. We thank you for this opportunity to bring glory and honor under your name one more time. And Lord God, as we worship you this morning, we pray that you will keep our minds from worldly thought and help us, Lord God, to think only on you, to honor you in all that we say and do. And please bless us to glorify your name. In Jesus' holy name we pray and thank thee that be thy will. Amen. We talked a couple of weeks ago about um, the Exodus, and, but not from the book of Exodus. And today I want to pick up where we left off with the chosen Exodus. I've asked this question before. Why would anyone leave the church? And you've heard that asked. Why would anyone leave, leave the church? And arrogantly, some have said, I will never leave the church. I've heard sermons like that. And then some years later, you find that particular preacher has left the church. Humbly speaking, we're all vulnerable. And we have to be very careful. Here's what we know. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. We know that whenever someone leaves the church, Satan is involved. And that is his desire to damage all of us in any way possible. You might even say in as many ways as possible. In Acts 2 verse 40, Peter's preaching and he, he makes this statement in the sermon And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Some might be offended and say, Well, why why would Peter say that? Peter's looking through this statement from heaven's view, from heaven's vantage point, looking at us. Philippians chapter 2. A perverse generation, the text says. And then Philippians chapter 2 in verse 12, the Bible says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So the question again is, why would anyone leave the church? Matthew chapter 13, please. Realizing what God says about the kingdom, why would anyone leave the kingdom? Matthew 13, in verse 44, he talks about this great pearl. And the Bible says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has 
and buys that field. Value. So then why would anyone leave something of such great value? And church, here's something to think about. There must have been a lot of pain. There must have been a lot of suffering to cause someone to leave the church. I'm going to come back to that. Verse 44 and 45. 45 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and, and he bought it. Some have said yes to God, but no to his church. But that's impossible, right? Because we don't go to church. We are the church, right? This is just a building. We are the church. Ephesians chapter 3, please. So how could someone say yes to God, but no to the church. And why would anyone say that? Ephesians chapter 3. Some have said, well, you know, in the church there are so many hypocrites. Yeah, that's true. But there's a whole lot more in the world, I guarantee you. Right? In fact, you, never mind. <clears throat> you can't say yes to God and no to the church, the bride of Christ, right? Ephesians 3 verse 10, in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This is in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's eternal purpose involves the church. It's surrounded around the church and in the church and through the church. You can't say yes to God and no to the church. Ephesians chapter 1. The church is a part of God's eternal plan. And the scary reality is this. If anyone leaves the church, the reality is you've left God. That's scary. Ephesians 1 and verse 22, the Bible says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet, speaking of Jesus, and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of all, which fills all in all. The church. And then Acts chapter 20, and the verse is 28. This is the blood-bought, sanctified place of God. The church, not the building, the people. In Acts 20 and verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Where am I going with all this this morning? You see, there's a, there's a chosen exodus. There's, there's a, a person who leaves God intentionally for other reasons, whatever those reasons may be, but Again, the question is how could someone leave something that's so precious? And, and I get it. I get it. What, what I hear from people sometimes is I've been hurt. 
by members of the church. Because sometimes we forget that this is just a bunch of people who are humans who also have issues like the world. Right? I've been heard by people in the world as well. As well as maybe some people in the church. Thank God that people in the church like to make it right and want to fix those bad behaviors or situations in life. But there are other things I've been hurt by, like if my football team loses, but I still watch football, right? I've had some bad service at Walmart, but I still go to Walmart. I've had some issues in certain places, but I still frequent those places. And I've even gone fishing and caught nothing but I still go fishing, right? And so it's a, it's a great excuse in the mind of, of humans, but it's not acceptable to God. The question is, really, why have I left? Why have I left God? Why have some left the Lord? Why is this mad exodus of people? Why do we see it, not just in the church, but all over the world? Why do we see it even in the world of Christendom? Why do people leave their organizations? Why do people leave certain places? But nothing has a great value like the church. Proverbs chapter 18. Here's one of the, one of the things that, it's a, it's a tough scripture. It's so true. And, and, it's, and it's, it's so valuable that we understand the importance of, if I wrong one of my brothers in Christ, anyone really, I mean, in general, but one of my brothers in context with the lesson, I've got to make it right. I wronged my sister, I need to make it right. I don't want to be the cause of my brother or my sister falling away from the Lord. And in Acts 8, I mean, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, there's a scripture in verse 19 about a brother offended. And it says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. And you wonder, well, why is it a brother offended is... Why does it say that about God's people, about the church? Because what we'll do is we'll punish God because we don't like what someone did to us who's a member of God's kingdom. Think about that for just a minute, right? Why would I punish God for what someone has done to me? Or why would I even punish myself because I left God now? Because of what someone has done to me. I'm not saying that's the reason. Luke chapter 17, that some have walked away from the Lord today, even from this particular congregation. But it happens, it happens, it happens, and it happens. And what I want to make sure that we understand is that we're never the reason for anyone to fall away from God. And I know you might say at the end of the day, they made their own choice. And I agree with you on that. But listen to what Luke 17 says, beginning in verse 1. He said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. That, that's a checkmate scripture, isn't it? You know, you're playing chess, that's checkmate. Don't be that person that causes the stumbling block. So what God wants me to do is uh, not just put on my outer garment, but be sure the inner garment is correct. When I walk my daily walk in Christ, be sure that I live my life in such a way to where I strive, I strive not to offend anyone. I strive to, to be that brother in Christ who is an encourager. Yes, there are things that we have to say. There are preachers, uh, sermons that we have to preach. 
But it's not meant to offend anyone. It's meant to tell the truth. But you got to grace it with love, right? Because verse 2 says, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea that he should cause one of these little ones to stumble. You ever heard someone say, it's not what you said, it's the way you said it? Right? Be careful. Our words should be seasoned with grace, seasoned with salt, the Bible says. Be careful how we speak certain things to certain people about certain conversations that I feel like or you feel like have to happen. I want to look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13. Staying with the Lord or leaving the Lord is a personal choice. And I don't claim to have the answers. But I know that, that people have said to me that they find that there's fear, there's complacency, there's a sense of uh, disconnection hindering them. Uh, there are lots of things that people discuss or, or talk about. But we as God's people have to be open-minded, compassionate, without judgment, and let's just look at the Bible. Let's just look at what Jesus says. And let's realize what the problem really is. Because Jesus tells us. In Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 18. Listen to how Satan works. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown into his heart. And this is the one whom seed was sown beside the road. See what Satan does. You hear something good, something true, and you grab it, and you love it, and you want it. But then Satan comes along and snatches away what has been sown into the heart. It's not personal. It's not the evangelist who's teaching. Satan's involved. And so perhaps we can be then encouragers and say, hey, you know, I, I understand that uh, uh, you, you had some struggles in your life and, and, that, and that what we've taught you and what you've learned that has been taken away from you, we want to bring it back to you. What can we do to help? Instead of, well, you know, they left, so oh well. That's the wrong attitude. And then he goes into the next individual who has fallen away. Verse 20. And the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Can you imagine in those days they teach someone and then the Romans come and knock on your door and they say, are you a Christian? And he fears for his life. And he says, no, I'm not a Christian. I'm not doing this. There's just no firm root, you see. There needs to be some more soil and there needs some more cultivating that needs to happen. God can do that. We rely on God. God helped the first and God helped the second. And we know that God will. Maybe, maybe that's me sometimes. And then he goes into the next category in verse 22. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns. This is the one that maybe you and I have seen most often. This is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes 
unfruitful. Just think about for just a moment the, the worry of the world. Right? There's a lot to worry about, people will say. No, there isn't. They don't need anything to worry about. God's in control. God's always been in control. Everything's going to be fine. Now, it may not be fine in the sense that we are healthy and strong and that, you know, wars don't happen and issues don't happen and struggles don't. They're not talking about that. But in the end of the day, God is in control. We'll be all right. One general said, the problem that you all are having is you think you're going to get out of this thing alive. You're not. None of us are. Right? Jesus is going to come back. Maybe some will be living when he returns. But the worries of the world contaminate the church. We're supposed to be the people of faith. Right? We're supposed to be the people that say, well, you know what? Hey, just here's a good opportunity right now to talk about Jesus. You worried about what's going to happen tomorrow? Hey, let's talk about who knows what's going to happen tomorrow and who's in tomorrow already. We're going to meet him there if tomorrow even comes. Let's talk about Jesus. Great opportunity for evangelism. When someone says, I'm so worried about this and I'm so worried about that. Don't worry, the Bible says. Jesus says, don't worry. Look at what happens when we worry. The Bible says that the word itself is choked out. The word of God is choked out. And the riches and deceitfulness of riches and all that come with that. Let me give you an example. Turn to Philemon. Just a quick example. There was a, a, an evangelist who traveled with the apostles. With Paul in particular. His name is, um, I'm the wrong way. His name is um, Demas. And Demas was a good brother. Something happened. Philemon, verse 23. Epaphras and my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus greet you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. These are, these are men who are working with the Lord, working with the apostles, and Demas in particular is one of them. And he was a worker in God's kingdom. And then, and then something happened to him. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Something happened to him, and he walked away from the church. He walked away from God. What happened? What happened to him could happen to any one of us. We got to be very careful in our walk with Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. He started loving the world. 1 John chapter 2, please. He started loving the world. Now what happened to him? Satan was involved. Somehow, Satan got a hold of that brother in Christ through his own desires, right? James tells us that. Through his own desires, through his own lust. Satan got a hold of him and he walked away from that which is precious from the kingdom, from God. We've got to be careful that doesn't happen to us. Verse 15 of 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Is it? Say, well, I like shiny stuff. I like shiny. It's shiny, so I've got to have it. Lust of the eyes. It's new, so I've got, you know. Demons love this present world. And all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life, is not from God. It's from the world. It's all the world has to offer. And verse 17 says, And the world is passing away, and also is lust, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Turn back to Matthew chapter 13. It's a matter of keeping our priorities straight. Remembering the great pearl that is before us, the kingdom, the church. Verse 23. He talks about the last group. The one on whom seed was sown on the good soil. This is the man who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. And you sit back and go, yeah, that's me today. Is that going to be you tomorrow? About ten years from now. Demas loved the world. Demas fell away. People fall away from God. It's a chosen exodus. What, what can I do? What can I do to ensure that I don't fall away? And I'm going to talk about that tonight. You have to grow in Christ. Right? How much time in relationship to maybe, you know, um, watching television, listening to the radio, iPods, whatever. How much time do you spend in the Word? You don't, you don't hear Satan in, in those in those songs? You don't, you don't hear the satanic messages in those songs? Don't you? You don't see it on television? Don't you realize Satan is trying to get us? It's a trap, you see. It's a trap. Every day it's a trap. Satan has a trap. The trap to get us, right? I can't go without my iPod. I can't go without my iPad. I can't go without my iPhone. Why? Because I'm, I'm addicted to the trap, right? Because I need this information that I really don't need, that I just need, that I really don't need. <laughs> but I need it because I really want it, right? It's a trap. How much time am I spending? And then you know what happens, right? Like if I were up here right now, I wanted to uh, do some things on my cell phone. I at one time said, oh, I'll bring my phone up here, and then I can, I can grab something I wanted to grab for. But I know I can't do that. You know why? It's a distraction. You know what's going to happen, right? A message is going to pop up. Hey, hey, what are you doing? What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> you know what I'm doing. <laughs> one time I had my son call me. I said, okay, I'm gonna get, I want you to call me on my phone while I'm preaching. He's like, what? What do you, what do you, I said, I want you to call me four times. He says, what? I said, okay, fine. And that play, call me five times then. And then he, he realized, okay, stop, because he's going to add more to it. So the phone rang, and I, I answered it. And I was like, hello? Hang on, guys. One second. Lord? 
Nope, not the Lord. I hung up. Call back. Hello? You know, it's a distraction. You may have gotten distracted, but how many times do you think I've seen people get up and go answer the phone? That was free, by the way. They should know where you are. It's a distraction. Satan has distractions, and he's trying to get us every day. You know, you're reading the Bible? You got your Bible on your phone? How many times a message come in and you looked at it? Right? You didn't click on it, but you read it, the caption. It's a distraction. There are distractions every single day. Demons love the world. I don't know what got him. I don't know what it was. Right? I don't claim to know. I just know that I'm vulnerable and I need to protect myself the best that I can. And even protecting myself, it still always isn't good enough. So I've got to work at myself every single day. I don't have time to mess with everybody else. I've got to fix me. I've got to stay in that soil. Now, there's hope, though. The first three we talked about. You know, God can fix it. But you have to let him. We have to allow God to enter into our lives and fix what is broken inside of me. Is it arrogance? Are you arrogant this morning? You gotta fix that. Am I prideful? Fix that. Am, am I full of lies? What, what am I? Who am I outside of this, this edifice, this building? What, what am I? Who am I? You ever met the person who you find out later they're a Christian and you never knew it because of the way they live their lives? Yeah, make sure you're not that person. Jeremiah, I'm working on me. I'm working on me. And so, as we think about those who exit the Lord, those who leave the Lord, just realize, I I don't know what the reason is. Other than what Jesus told us, I've got to watch my soul. Church, watch your soul so you so you don't leave Jesus. It doesn't remain in a negative state if you don't allow it to. You, you, can, you can grow in Christ. Each of us can grow in Christ. And God can do what seemingly is impossible, and, and that is add soil to that rocky place. Right? Lord, Lord, help me to you know, prune me, Lord. Get rid of the stuff that's, that's holding me back. Hebrews 2, 12 talked about that. Help me to get rid of all that stuff that's entangling me and holding me back. What's, what's holding me back from excelling in Christ? Jeremiah 4 and verse 3. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and to Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among Notice when he's talking to them, he's saying, you've got something you have to do. He didn't say, I'm going to break it up. He says, you need to break it up, right? Shake your life up a little bit. Make some changes, you know. Pick up the remote control and then say, "Mm, let me get some of the word in me first. Pick up your Bible and read it first. And then, you know, you might get to the point where you go, all right, I'm going to read my Bible just as the same number of minutes or hours that I watch television. Ooh, that's that's a challenge, huh? Get, get some of the word in you. When you're driving in your car, I know, we love listening to music. You ever thought about putting in the word of God? Put that in instead. Or maybe you could use that time to meditate. Maybe you could use that time to pray. 
You know, you can just think about things. Say, God, think about thank, Thank you for all this great stuff. I used to think my, my, the, the gentleman who, um, who, who led me to Christ, uh, uh, Bernard uh, Benjamin, when we were talking, I got into his car one day and we started riding and I was like, okay, we're sitting in the car, we're riding and sat in his car, we're riding and we, I sat in his car and we were riding and I was like, man, when are you going to turn the radio on? He says, I don't need that radio. I said, you cannot ride in a car without a radio. And he says, yeah, I don't need that. Do you mind if I turn it on? He says, if you need to turn it on, go ahead. I said, thank you. I turned it on. I had to have that radio. We have to grow to the point, maybe we don't need the radio. Meditation. How often do I meditate on God and his word and his will in my own life, in my own relationship with God, and remind myself of this amazing great value the church, the kingdom, and this amazing great pearl and the greatness of God and that if I have God, I don't need anything else. Break up the fallow. Break it up. You have to do something. Verse 4. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. It's a hard thing there, right? New Testament. Circumcise yourselves to to the Lord and remove the foreskins of your heart. What's, you know, what's, where's the blinder? What's blinding me? That thing that's blinding me could be the thing that caused me to fall away. Men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, let my wrath go forth like a fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. And this is, this is, Speaking to their, the invasion of the Babylonians who will come. Let's kick Satan out. Right? Don't even give him a foothold in your heart. Get, get him out. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is that's causing you, that lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, that, that my, my ground, the rocky places, whatever it is that's in my life that's causing me um, maybe a lack of faithfulness. Lack of desire. Whatever it is that's, that's, that's challenging my walk of faith, I encourage you this morning to challenge it. Challenge that thing, whatever it is. I'm so happy you're here this morning to worship the great God. And I pray that the worship this morning has been pleasing and acceptable in His sight. And that this morning we can walk away and say we've, we've gotten something. From the word. Something from the word has, has touched me. And, and maybe this morning there are some who have not yet surrendered to Christ. The opportunity for you to, uh, to come to Christ in the waters of baptism this morning, the opportunity is yours to surrender to him and give him his due. Perhaps this morning in your walk of faith, perhaps you're, you're struggling. Maybe some brethren in here. Maybe there's some things we've got to do better at. Maybe you've offended someone and you want to make it right. Go to that person today. Today's the day. Let's make today the day. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come? There's a land that is fairer than days. And by faith.